0: Unique
1: competitions. Extraordinary competitors. Welcome to Rochambeau. With your hosts, Kim Drobes and Ted Ledoux.
0: Welcome to Rochambeau, the podcast about unique competitions and the extraordinary competitors that make them happen. I'm Ted,
2: and I'm Kim, and thank you so much for joining us for our first ever episode. Hooray! Yay! Woo! Our goal here is twofold. On one level, it's to discover and share an assortment of perhaps lesser-known competitions. There's a lot of cool stuff going on out there, and your bucket list was probably too short anyway. These competitions are a great reason to check out a unique event in a new town. And who knows, maybe you'll be inspired to participate.
0: And on the other level, while the events themselves are certainly strange, quirky, and just plain fun, what is truly amazing is the community that organically grow around these events. We heard time and time again how this group or that group was like a family and how they often led to lifelong friendships. So it really is as much about the people as it is about the events. So we'll do our best to let them tell their stories and hopefully you, dear listener, will get a sense of the passion these folks have.
2: Indeed. And we have got a lot of great stories in store for you this season. Check it out.
3: Well, it's that warm feeling of being a little champion. They win their wife's weight in beer. As you're racing, and you had to put down the coffin. Your corpse has to jump out, hula hoop, and then hop back in. Then you see like this
4: huge dragon like going into the water.
3: It's the triathlon of the art world. That's what we go for. We go for the uh, like, what the heck did I just see? And you can't get your phone out fast enough.
0: Oh man, there is some gold in there y'all. We'll get to our first episode in a second, but first some background about Kim and I We met over 20 years ago. That sounds impossible, right? (laughs) (laughs) Over a shared love of music and ping-pong and to this day she still beats me in ping-pong. That is true Yeah, Kim had the idea for the podcast and when she asked me to join I could not say no
2: and I'm so glad that you didn't Uh, a little bit about me I come from a radio background when I was thinking about doing a new podcast and, you know, started thinking about unique competitions in the communities around them, honestly, Ted, you came to my mind first. That's so sweet. It's true. You are obviously fun to talk to, but also listeners, you should know that Ted is a lover of some really unusual sports.
0: Yeah, I'm not afraid to try something new, different or weird.
2: And so combine that with our shared love of travel and we both love talking to strangers. And hey, a podcast is born. But why the heck
0: did we name it Rochelle?
2: First off, I freaking love that word. I really, really love that word. You guys should say it all the time. It's super fun coming off the lips. Also, in some circles, or at least in my family growing up, the incredible decision making tool of rock, paper, scissors was also called Rochambeau. I can remember dozens of times that my brother and I would say, I'll Rochambeau you for it. It was to be in the front seat of the car who went first at Monopoly or who got dibs on the big wheel. But rock, paper, scissors isn't just a great decision making helper. There's actually another level to it. It's also a great example of what's called dynamic competition, where the participants can't actually be ordered from best to worst. I was reading an article by pop culture writer Alistair Wilkins, and I love the way that he summed it up. Basically, there's a rule of thumb in ecology that if two species are in competition for the same resource, eventually one is going to be more successful and drive the other one to extinction. But that doesn't happen in more complicated situations where the there's at least a third competitor. For instance... If you had an ecosystem that was just rock and paper, then paper would drive rock to extinction. But adding scissors into the mix brings them back to an impasse. This stalemate can allow three competitors to live in harmony pretty much indefinitely.
0: In this ever more splintered world where things are more black and white, more divided, it's nice to recognize a system where there is a third choice that takes away the concept of best and worst.
2: Exactly. Yeah,
0: it's kind of a tool to break through the division. And these competitions do just that. They're an option outside of the normal, Day to day life. And really, they're a great way to have fun.
2: And that's really what it's all about. The
0: hokey pokey.
2: No, the hokey pokey is what it's all about, right. technically, but that is not what this episode is all about. <laughs> not this time. On today's episode, we'll cover Sugar Plum Fairy, Stormtroopers, and One Very Lucky Loser. Yeah. That's right. Today's episode we're gonna crush, cover, and cut the world of competitive rock, paper, scissors.
0: Perfect. And of course this would be our first competition we cover. And just to be clear, this is the only episode about rock, paper, scissors.
2: Yes, true. That would be a really weird podcast. Right. (laughs) All right, you and me, Ted. Okay, ready? Quick round. One, two, three, shoot.
0: Hey, let's do it again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, you ready? One, One, two, two, three, three, shoot. shoot. Oh, you I got, got me. scissors, Ted I got, got paper. paper, that means I get to decide who goes first, right. and I choose you.
0: Oh, well, thank you very much.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's start out with
0: a brief history. The game is said to date back to 220 AD in the Han Dynasty in China, where it was known as Shu Shiling, and then it eventually made its way to Japan. But let's cut over to Wyatt Baldwin, the president of the World Rock Paper Scissors Association, and let him explain a bit about the origin and how it was a little bit different back in the day.
3: Rock, paper, scissors was actually created in China. It was uh, slug, uh, frog, and snake. Uh, Frog beats slug, slug beats snake, and snake beats frog. I'm not sure the exact reasons why. So it went to Japan, and then the shapes were ended up being changed to rock, cloth, and scissors. It's a very popular game in Japan currently still. It's considered one of their national sports. So it ended up being around 1932 by the time it made it to North America.
2: And while it's not considered a national sport in the U.S., it still draws a pretty big crowd.
3: The world's biggest rock, paper, scissors tournament was just over uh, 2,600. That was in uh, Seattle, I believe, in the... Early two thousands.
2: But believe it or not, the most consistent championship has been going on for over a decade in the UK. It takes place in London and it draws over one hundred people each year. And it's the real deal with prizes, costumes, and even a ref, because believe it or not, some people will try to cheat.
3: They often time to try and change their uh, change their gesture mid throw. And then they're often caught mid throw doing some weird gesture because they didn't quite make it to the other one. That's why the referee is there to make sure that doesn't happen.
0: The UK championship has drawn a pretty internationally diverse crowd over the last 11 years. So much so that this year they're changing the competition title to officially be the European Rock Paper Scissors Championship. The competition is happening in London this November and organizer Sally Rains explains its popularity.
4: I'm Sally Rains, and I am the organizer of the European Rock, Paper, Scissors Championships. Um, I think it's popular because absolutely anybody can play this. So it's a game that can be played by any age group, it can be played by men and women, it's all on equal footing. It's always absolutely frenetic, <laughs> it's always really good fun. And we have 128 competitors, and everybody that comes along is. Just really up for it, and it's one of the most friendly competitions. It genuinely is the biggest tournament going at the moment, and particularly in Europe, they travel over to take part in it. Uh, Hungary have just started doing their own tournament as well, and they asked us, could they, you know, come and take part in our championship? And we thought, well, this is getting silly. You know, we're we're getting people travelling from Germany and Switzerland and France and and Sweden, and now Hungary asking us, and we're like, well. Let's make this a European championship so that, you know, there is something that other countries who are having championships, they can enter their, you know, their winner in. You know, (laughs) the UK championship has been won by an Australian. It's been won by a French person, you know. (laughs) It just seems really daft, really, that we, you know, we don't try and make this a a European championship so that, you know, people can come in their
2: their flags. So it may sound like serious business, but make no mistake about it, it is also one heck of a party. Does
0: it really sound that
2: serious? Not really. Not really. (laughs) It's always in a pub,
4: and that's what also makes it so friendly, because obviously alcohol's involved. But we always try and make sure that the room is big if you can think of a um a boxing ring we try and create that sort of layout so there is basically a table and around the table we create a ring and um the the people obviously stand either side of the table to to play and the rest stands in the middle of them and then the, the actual people watching will be placed all the way around the outside so that they can see what's going on
0: the scene is set. First, Sally covers the ground rules.
2: You guys should know that when Ted said covers, he put out his hand like, like, a, a, paper. like a piece of paper. Yeah. Because sometimes visual puns don't work don't. as well. Really? They don't work on radio? <laughs> Not quite as well. Oh, well.
4: So at the very beginning of the tournament, I played the entire room until we have just one or two left in the room, and they come to the front, and I play against them. But it means that everybody gets the hang of how we're playing before we hit the tournament.
0: By now, everybody has a handle on how the match is going to go down.
2: That was another pun, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, it sure was. Uh-huh. They have a number, and Sally breaks them into groups, and the match gets underway.
4: We start with, say, you know, number one and number two, and they'll step up to the table, and we ask them first to shake hands. Because, you know, we want this to be a friendly tournament. And we do say to them then, once they have shaking their hands, we do say, you're allowed to do whatever you like. So if you want to psych out your opponent, you can do You know and people pull funny faces people maybe turn around to their friends they might sort of go into their face and go i'm going to throw a rock i'm going to throw a rock they can do whatever they like if they want to psych out the opponent that's entirely up to them and then um you know it's fists up and then it's a you know one two three throw and it's the first one to win two but they all have a number on their front and if they are out of the competition, we rip that number off and we put it in the bin that so that we know... <laughs> yeah. so we know who's in and who's not. But they love that. They love the ripping off of the number themselves and uh, you know, you go through the whole of the first round. Then um, we, what we do, we started this a few years ago, in actual fact everyone seemed to like it. So. We then, instead of having all those people that have lost completely lose out, those 64 people that lost out on the first round, they all go into a hat. And in that hat, eight people are chosen and they play for one place back in the tournament.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Do you have a name for that particular elimination?
4: Yeah, we just call them the lucky loser. (laughs) So the lucky loser gets to play to come back into the main tournament. So from the 64, we play down to 32. From that, we usually then go through the 16 down to eight, and then we play the eight down to four. And then the ones that were number three and number four, they get to play again, so we work out who comes third overall because they usually get a little prize. We then introduce the two finalists to the crowd.
0: And what are these two last final fisters fighting for?
4: There's a prize that comes from the sponsor, um, there is the trophy, they absolutely go mad for the trophy, so we always give a, a, a bottle of bubbly um, and a trophy, and most people want to treat it like they're in some sort of um, high sporting motor racing thing, and they try and pop the cork and fill the trophy with champagne and try and drink out of I've, I've had to sort of say to people now because sometimes they're quite drunk by that and it's like, well, careful where you're aiming. <laughs> the cork. And what we always say, and is truly the case, you get complete adoration from your fans
2: around the room. I am personally a big fan of complete adoration. Me
0: too. <laughs> but uh, for now, let's go back to the ring for the final two.
4: So one finalist will come out, and they will then get to talk, to, you know, on the microphone if they would like to the crowd and tell them whatever they want, <laughs> which is a bit dangerous when they're drunk sometimes. But
2: <laughs> this is late in the game, so yeah.
4: <laughs> sometimes you've got to like steal the microphone back. Okay, enough, enough. Uh, and then you know we, we introduce the other person to the crowd, and then we pull them over to the table. And when we do the final, we do the first one to win three. We usually say it's called best of five because usually it goes but quite frankly having done this for the amount of years that we've done the final usually has about 11 or 12 throws before we get a winner because there are so many ties that tend to go on by the time they have gone all the way through you know these players have usually perfected it because i mean when this final game is going on you are getting chant after chance you know against the two people so when one person does finally win half the room erupts (laughs) and goes running into the arena and and putting their arms and stuff around the winner. (laughs) Then we have to try and extricate everybody to be able to try and give them the trophy.
0: (laughs) Wow, that does sound exciting, doesn't it? It does. You could cut the excitement with a pair of scissors?
2: Or a Paper cut? You
0: you rocked that one. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) Now that we got the puns out of the way. Right. One thing we did not cover, which is a big part of the evening, is the fancy dress.
2: Ah, the fancy dress. What is that?
0: Fancy dress is fancy talk for costumes, which are encouraged
4: groups of costumes so we have two people one comes as darth vader every year and one comes as superman we have a group of guys who come in different stuff every year so one year they did scooby-doo and they were all the different scooby-doos Um, One year, because we had Darth Vader, one came as obi Kenobi to (laughs) go with the Darth Vader one. Awesome. Um, And then you get people that wear things like T-shirts saying, you know, I'm going scissors. We had some girls one year who came as rock, paper and scissors. So, yeah, not everybody does. I mean, to be honest, probably three quarters don't. We, we want to have more people in fancy dress because I think it's better. Right. If, right. You're in, if you're in a fancy dress costume, everyone wants to talk to you and everyone wants to support you because you're in a fancy dress costume.
2: Right. So Everybody you know, knows who Darth Vader is.
4: Yeah, yeah. We've even started playing music with, for him now. <laughs> in actual fact, last year we thought we, we were playing the Darth Vader music and we thought we'd, we'd have a laugh. So we played Sugar Plum Fairy.
5: I got the idea for Darth Vader when I was in Costco. (laughs) I saw a Darth Vader mask. I thought, (laughs) I know where I can use that. My name is Ed, AKA Darth Vader. Uh, I take part in the rock, paper, scissors UK championships every year.
2: I had no idea that Darth Vader's real name was Ed. Not very evil sounding at all. I'm not surprised that he changed (laughs) it.
5: My best result is getting to the last eight, which I've done twice. Well, this year, um, back in October, got to the last eight. I actually got to the last eight the year before as well. That's I've done it twice in a trot.
2: That's awesome. Do you feel like it's a game of skill and that you're getting better?
5: Um, yeah, I reckon I do, actually. Um, I've done it for about seven or eight years. And the more you do it, the more you think you realize that there is a bit of skill in it. Well, most people think it's just luck, but um, I've come to realize that you know, if I get a, a novice in the first round and I'm dressed up as Darth Vader, they get quite nervous and there's thirty odd people all cheering away at the tops of their voices, they, they start to get very nervous and they don't they don't really know what to do, you see. So uh, and I can sort of you can see what type of person it is and you can kind of second guess what they're going to throw and then you just throw something that beats it and I don't know I reckon about four out of five I can beat a novice
2: if you don't mind like how would you look at someone and figure out what type of person they are like you look like a scissors how does that happen
5: well you've got to try and suss out whether the person is a novice or knows what they're doing. So you kind of try and assess how confident they are. If they look very nervous, the nerves are going to take over and they're going to throw what kind of naturally comes to them. Quite often, when the people are stressed out, they throw a strong fist, like a a rock. Right. So it's quite often often good to start off with a paper with people like that. Then you get other people who look more confident and then they try and do something a bit clever. So they quite often throw scissors so you can throw a rock to those sorts of people. And then you get some people who are just a bit (laughs) bit limp looking and they throw a paper do a, kind of a session, and then as you go along, there's why well, you try and keep it going quickly, so you don't, they don't—they don't have much thinking time.
0: Wow, such a mind game.
2: Yeah, and wearing the Darth Vader mask, well, that adds a whole other level to it.
0: No doubt, I do not want to go against Darth Vader in a mind game, and I also don't want to go against somebody whose eyes I can't see,
2: and someone that sounds like they have a sinus
0: infection—that could be distracting.
2: Well, wearing the mask has not only helped his game; it's also led to one really unexpected two bride.
5: We got onto the tube station, uh, um, I think it must have been King's Cross Station in London somewhere, and uh, we just happened to get onto a tube carriage that had about 15 lads all dressed up in Star Wars characters on a stag do. So there was, uh, there was a Yoda and there was a Luke Skywalker and there had R2-D2, C-3PO, a few stormtroopers. I, I just stepped into the middle of them as dressed as Darth Vader, <laughs> and there were lightsabers going off everywhere. <laughs> it, was, it was a
2: that's just amazing (laughs) to me what type of coincidence that's crazy you know when ed and i talked he mentioned that he goes with the same group of friends every year they always have a great time and one of his friends actually won last year right on
5: my friend, Paul Knight, a.k.a. Superman, he won it, actually, won the whole competition. You see, it starts off as 128 people to start with, and you just, it's basically knock out round, you go one round to the next round, and I've kind of consistently managed to get about three or four rounds in, and whereas Paul, my... Uh, my comrade in arms has been knocked out in the first round every year even this year but this year he was lucky because they, they introduced this lucky loser bit. and um, I was giving him quite a ribbing I got knocked out again Paul you're no good at this are you <laughs> Then he um, and then he went to the Lucky News round, which he had to beat thirty two other people in, but so that was again like it's only little mini competition. And then he went back in to the main competition and then he went all the way through that and won it as well. So it was um yeah, it was pretty freaky really in terms of luck. That's <laughs> well, amazing. I should say there was a fair bit of skill involved. But I gave him <laughs> some coaching. Well, my name's
1: Paul. I live in the UK and I've entered the Rock Paper Scissors. Tournament nine years in a row now. I think I am the current UK champion. I won it back in November. Very very exciting night.
2: Do you have any techniques that uh, help no,
1: you? No, you know, surely you know that I can't reveal <laughs> the technique over the, over the phone. You must have known that before you spoke to me.
2: <laughs> How about this? Have you noticed other people have techniques that you could share with us?
1: When I was in the final, so it, it was the final. It's just me and one other guy left. This was last year. The guy looked. Me in the eye and he said play paper he said and it went quiet and I didn't know what to do and then I I, I, saw, I played paper and I won. <laughs> I won the first hand. So that was his tactics. tactics didn't work. But that, he's tried, he tried that. So there's lots of different tactics you can use. Oh Some people gosh. have t-shirts saying, I like to play paper on and things like that. So um, And there's all sorts of psychology involved, which you might believe. So men are meant to play rock quite often. And women usually play paper. But obviously, if you're playing a man and he thinks you know he's going to play rock, he won't play rock. So it's all a bit of a guessing game, really.
2: Oh, my God. The logic with it all can get so slow circular and you can get so inside your own head trying to figure it out the
1: best thing to do i find is to have a few beers and then just (laughs) just just guess
0: (laughs) all the psychology went out the window in one special match where paul actually met his match in the ring
1: my wife knocked me out one year. What? We, uh, someone from the television came, um, a program, television programme in the UK called Live with Gabby, and they sent along a reporter, and I drew the reporter in the first round. And I normally lose in the first round, but um, I happened to knock him out on this occasion, so I was very, very excited to get him through to the second round until I found out I was facing my wife. And then she, she knocked me out, and she still goes on about it now. <laughs>
2: That's awesome. Does she tend to compete every year as well?
1: I would say she's a reluctant competitor. Yeah, but she she does most years. She comes along. One of the main reasons she needs to come along is because I've got no pockets in my Superman outfit, so I can't carry my money and I can't go to the bar. So I need I need like a glamorous assistant to help me.
0: I think we all need a glamorous assistant. Now onto the good stuff. Let's hear how Paul broke his streak and went from lucky loser to champion.
1: I get knocked out in the first round. So I stepped up, there's loads of noise, and I got knocked out in the first round, and all my friends are going, oh, typical, always gets knocked out. <laughs> but on this occasion, everyone who got knocked out in the first round went back into a mini tournament, and then the single winner... From that mini tournament, got a place back in the main tournament. So that was five rounds in this loser best lucky losers tournament. So I won through five rounds. It was so exciting; I couldn't believe it. So I thought, when I, when I won won that tournament, it's like I'd won the whole tournament. And then it sort of dawned on me I was actually only in round two. So, so by that stage, I'd won the same amount of rounds that the previous year's winner had won. And then I had to win another five rounds in the main tournament to get through to to actually become the UK champion. So in effect, it was. Like I knocked out one thousand and forty eight people.
2: <laughs> uh-huh. Uh one thousand and forty eight people. We'll right. have to we'll have to check that one out. I'm glad he didn't throw in the towel. Oh my gosh. Anywho, back to Paul.
1: So um it was incredible. That's incredible. So that it's very exciting.
2: That's crazy. People must have been going nuts.
1: Well, it was. It's really strange because when you're there, normally the noise is absolutely deafening. When you when you're shouting and cheering for who you want to win, <laughs> it's absolutely deafening. The people who in the pubs can never believe how noisy and how raucous it is. But when you're competing, when I was in the final, it was like it was it was quiet. You could have heard a pin drop. So maybe maybe just no one was cheering. But it, it just seemed like it was so quiet because it's it so nerve wracking. It's so you just can't hear anything. You are just like so focused. It's mad. The first hand was when he told me, I want you to throw paper, and I did. So I went 1-0 up, and then, then he won again, so we went 1-all. And then I won and went 2-1 up. And I remember thinking to myself, surely I can't lose this now. Now I'm 2-1 up. And then he won the next hand. There's a few draws in between. And then he won the next hand, so it was 2-all. So having won through nine rounds, have been there all night. It came down to the last one hand because we were best of one because we were 2-all. We were and then I won it, and it was just, it was just mental. It was just <laughs> absolutely mad.
0: That is crazy. Congrats, Paul, on being the 2017 UK champion. That sounds like an amazing night.
2: Indeed, but you know what? That amazing night wasn't over yet. But
1: then it takes quite a long time to get home on the train because when you're carrying a trophy, a bottle of champagne and dressed up as Superman, there is a lot of selfies fired on the way home. So it took a long, long time. We missed about four tubes taking photos, people taking photos and everything. Because at half past ten at night, London's absolutely mobbed. So you're walking through London and everyone wants their photo taken with you. And they say, why have you got a trophy? And then you have to explain. And they're just... Well, some people are quite rude because some people don't seem to think it's a very serious sport. But most people, I like to think, are in awe of your achievement
2: (laughs) do people try to challenge you right on the tube oh yeah 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 yeah, all the way
1: home normally on the way home you get a mini tournament going on the train but I didn't really want to on this occasion because it's a bit embarrassing if you're holding a trophy in one hand and then losing as normal the other hand
2: (laughs) I love the losing as normal Uh, he is quite the modest champ yeah
0: and good thinking on his part not to lose his title to some random person on the train yeah
2: any other words of
0: wisdom from the UK champ before we go
1: well I just think everyone should enter. I think everyone should start a training program now. The UK Championships is in November, so it's not too late to um, start your training program. A little bit too late, maybe. But, you know, it's a chance to catch up if you work hard, get your training routine right. And you know, you, they could be the next UK champion next year.
2: That's awesome. What is your training routine?
1: Ah, oh, I knew you were going to ask that. You set wow. yourself up. you just got to practice. you just got to take every opportunity to play whenever possible. You know, when your wife says, do the dishes, you've got to say, well, come on, rock, paper, scissors.
2: All right, well, we better take Paul's advice and start training now while there's still time.
0: That's right. And this competition sounds like a good enough reason to get to marry old,
2: isn't it? It does. And if you listeners are keen on going to this year's event, it'll be in London in November. You can learn the exact dates and location at the organizer's website. They're called Wacky Nation and you can go to wackynation.com. You can also find out more about the World Rock, Paper, Scissors Association at worldrps.com. And of course, we'll have links to all of this on our website, which is RoChambeauPodcast.com. dot com.
0: We have to give a big shout out to everyone who was so generous with their time and stories. Thank you, Wyatt, Sally, Ed, and Paul. Thanks, guys. Best of luck in November. And listeners, what kind of throw are you? Are you a scissor shooter, a paper pusher? <laughs> a rock star oh my gosh i know shoot us an email and we'll put the results on our site
2: oh that's cool like a poll like a poll guys the world is a big beautiful and sometimes strange place we encourage all of you to get out there and try something new every chance you get and if you find a unique competition that we don't know about please reach out we'd love to hear about it
0: all the music you hear on this podcast is courtesy of atlanta jazz funk legends cadillac jones if you're not familiar with them you should be Find them at CadillacJones.com and on Facebook and other social outlets. And if you see them coming to your town, get there. You will not regret it.
2: Oh my gosh, they're so good live. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. And please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast. We would love that. And if you are so inclined, please post a review. It's really the best way for us to get the word out about Rochambeau.
0: And tell a friend or two.
2: All right, guys. Catch us next time and we will answer this question. You ready, Ted? I'm ready. All right. What has one ball? two flippers and captured my heart as a child oh
0: man i have no idea how to answer that one what like a slightly inadequate seal it's a
2: really really good try um fortunately you don't have to answer it we'll we'll visit it in our next episode okay till next time people goodbye